With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As we pray. Amen. Let's watch this video. Well, all right. Now it's time for me to tell you all what you've done wrong since I last saw you. And don't try and hide because I'm Jesus. I will find you. Let's start with you, Peter. You lied to your mother the other day. Andrew, you said a naughty word when you hit your finger with the hammer. James, you laughed at him when he hit his finger. Moving right along, John, you drank too much wine the other night. Not way too much, just enough to make me angry. Matthew, we fell asleep in church, didn't we? Yes, we did. And Thomas, you were slow dancing a little too close with that girlfriend of yours. Let's see, and you... I forgot your name, so you're off the hook for now. I saw you smoking a cigarette behind that big rock the other day. Thaddeus, I hate to say I saw you stick up your middle finger at someone who cut you off when you were riding your camel. Benjamin, you aren't wearing your WWJD bracelet. Jacob, I don't mind you saying my name, but not after you stub your toe. You know what you did. I just can't repeat it because I'm Jesus. All right, all you sinners, come with me. It's time to pay the piper. Man, it was only one cigarette. I heard that. Look at all these sinners. All right, listen up. Listen to me, I'm Jesus. Listen to what I have to say. I have done many wonderful things. I have healed many people of diseases. I have performed many miracles so that I can tell you this. You're all evil. There is no hope. That's it. Thank you. That came from a church many years ago who was developing a series on re-examining Jesus. When it comes to American culture, there's quite a few Jesus represented. Uh, take, for example, the world of American cinema. Which Jesus do you pick? Do you, do you pick Jesus Christ Superstar? Do you pick the last temptation of Jesus? Do you pick Jesus of Nazareth? Or do you pick Jesus Christ Vampire Slayer? The Godspell Jesus, the Life of Brian Jesus, the Passion of Christ Jesus, Dogma Jesus, or the recent Ewan McGregor's The Last Days in the desert, Jesus. Ordained uh, minister and writer Zach Hunter creates an American Jesus Madness Bracket Challenge every single year. We've got a, a picture of it up here. And the 2017 bracket included Fox News Jesus versus Jesus the Refugee. 81% of white evangelicals that voted for Donald Trump Jesus versus the 19% of white evangelicals who take their faith seriously Jesus. Women's March on Washington Jesus versus women being silent in the church Jesus. Franklin Graham Jesus versus 
versus the least of these Jesus, or my favorite, American Christian Jesus versus the gospel Jesus. I don't know about you, but my first image of Jesus was a uh, flannel board. Did anybody have the privilege of learning about Jesus on flannel boards, flannel graphs in church? I want you to picture like a little felt cutout, and this was days before the projector, before the projector was the projector in the church, but they would have these felt boards and these little felt pieces that they would move around and tell the story in the Bible stories of church. The question I'm really trying to get at is this. What is our image of Jesus? Where did that come from? How does that shape the way that we understand the words and actions of Jesus? Which all leads me to ask the question, how does your image of Jesus shape the way you think and live? Take a look at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verse 28. A distorted and misinterpreted and faintly accurate image of Jesus is nothing new. It, it happened for the three years of his public ministry and then in the generations of people who have come after him. But there is no more of a volatile time in the life and ministry of Jesus and misunderstanding who Jesus is than as Jesus enters into Jerusalem during the Passover season. It's Holy Week, as we would consider it in the Christian faith. For three years, Jesus has been ministering throughout the countryside, out of the inns and out villages of, and major cities, and the rumors of who he was and what he was going to do were a highly debated topic. Was he the Messiah? Was he a king who was going to restore Israel back to its former glory? Was he just another prophet? And this is especially heating up as Jesus is in Jerusalem, the week of Passover. And all this begins with the triumphal entry in Luke chapter 19, verse 28. It says, After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead of them, going to Jerusalem. And as he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Wouldn't you love to be able to just say that anytime? The Lord needs it. We, we kind of tend to do that all the time, actually. God bless this. Anyways, verse 32. Those who were sent ahead went and found it, and he, as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owner asked them, why are you untying it? They replied, the Lord needs it. Verse 37, he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives. The whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the prophecies, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now you have hidden your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and your children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming. Most of us have always seen the triumphal entry uh, on Palm Sunday as this serene image. We see Jesus riding on the back of a donkey. We imagine that donkey doesn't stink at all. It's a donkey. 
Jesus is adorned in this bleach white robe that they recently had uh, dry cleaned and pressed at the ancient dry cleaners. Hundreds, if not thousands of people are surrounding Jesus, rejoicing and ushering Jesus into the city. But what we fail to miss out of this picturesque image we have of Palm Sunday is the downright insurrectionist overtones that galvanize this moment. Jesus does not come into Jerusalem as a peaceful and quiet Messiah. This is a very bold act of resistance. Jesus is rebelling against the Jewish religious system that was full of corruption and sharing the bed with the overbearing might of the Roman Empire. Jesus comes into the city on the back of a donkey with fanfare around him. This is the triumphal entry of a king into his city. King David and Solomon and Absalom, his two sons, did the same thing as they entered into Jerusalem. The triumphal entry was an act of insurrection by a king, though a king we do not quite understand. Kings have always made triumphal entries throughout history. The one that bears the most significance is around the time of Jesus is that of Julius Caesar. The crossing of a small stream in northern Italy uh, became one of ancient history's most pivotal events. From it, the Roman Empire sprang up. From it, modern Europe as we know it today was established. And being born in obscurity, Julius Caesar rose into the ranks of the Roman army. He became a general, warning the fanfare of all the people. And Caesar's popularity soared, presenting a threat to the Roman Senate and to Pompey, who was managing the city at the time. And so accordingly, they understood that if Caesar entered into Italy proper, it would be an act of war. Nobody had ever entered into Rome with an army that wasn't an act of war. But in January 49 BC, Caesar decided that he would do such a thing. He committed an act of treason. He crossed the Rubicon, and the rest is history. This is a moment where we need to understand that Jesus ain't an idiot. (laughs) Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. He is coming in during Passover week. I want you to imagine this as the Super Bowl of all of Jewish holidays. There would have been an extra couple hundred thousand people pouring into the city for Passover week to go to the temple. It would have been a religious pilgrimage. He's coming into the city at a very populous time. People would have flooded into the temple. The temple would have been filled with people. They would have been there to offer their sacrifice and their tithe. And Jesus knows this. Jesus is committing an act of insurrection against the Roman Empire, against the Jewish religious system. It is an act where he is declaring that he is not king, but God is king. In fact, he is king. And this is the type of king that most of us, when we think of a king, this is the kind of king we want. A king that will kick down the injustice that is happening, to call out religious corruption. A king that is not there for power, but there to bring about transformational change. But the problem is, if we're willing to admit it, that Jesus isn't the king we truly want. Because how often are we still trying to shape Jesus into something that he's not? And Jesus is about to get even more volatile. Look at verse 45. It says, When Jesus entered the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, My house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it into a den of robbers. Every day he was teaching in the temple. 
But the chief priests and the teachers of the law and leaders among them were trying to kill him. Yet they could not find any way to do it, because all the people hung on his word. So much for the clean and meek and peaceful image of Jesus. Some crazy stuff just went down. <laughs> Let's be careful not to criminalize the actual businesses that are in the temple. They had been authorized by the religious leader to do the things they were doing in the temple. The problem was not the business. The problem was the intent and business practices. Imagine this. A good Jewish man would have come to the temple. He would have presented a lamb to the people to be sacrificed. Except the corruption of the day, they would look at this man and say they found a blemish in the lamb. And if he really, truly wanted to worship God, he would give them this lamb and buy another from them. And then they would turn around and sell his lamb to another person, claiming it is without blemish. Or imagine if you came into the temple and you were carrying Roman currency. They would not receive currency with the Roman emperor who is considered to be a god at the time. So you would have to exchange your Roman currency for Jewish shekels and there would be an increase, a percentage they would take from that. The corrupt practices of the day, Jesus is stepping into a classic racketeering scheme. And how do, you, how do we think he was going to respond to this? He's already been traveling the countryside, gaining the reputation as a troublemaker. Ruffling the feathers of the religious sinners and the leaders. He has been breaking all the rules because he's been empowering outcasts, the poor, the marginalized, the unclean, by telling them this, that God loves them all. And this isn't the first time, but this will be the thousandth time that we see that God is choosing justice over religious practices. Jesus is echoing the words of the ancient prophet who, who said this in Isaiah, I'm, I'm tired of your sacrifices, your meaningless offerings. Your hands and your worship are full of meaninglessness and, and insincerity. Isaiah says, wash and make yourself clean. Stop doing wrong. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the orphan and the widow. You see, Jesus is putting on the attribute of a prophet. A, pro a prophet who is taking a proverbial stick of dynamite into the middle of the Jewish religious system and the political corruption and lighting a match. And each time that Jesus opened his mouth to teach, as he performed these miracles, as he hung out with the outcasts, Jesus was, the, was exceeding the expectations of any prophet. He made this a very complex situation. And to many people, he failed their expectations because they wanted him to be a religious purist that told them, yes, they were right in outcasting so-called sinners and marginalized people. He failed him as king because they wanted him to be some type of Davidic king that would bring back uh, the glory of Israel and push back the Roman Empire. He was not the Messiah they expected. He was not the king they expected. He wasn't even the prophet that they wanted. Uh, news broke a couple months ago uh, that Ben Affleck will no longer be directing the upcoming Bat movie, Batman movie. And if you follow my posts um, on Facebook, that is sweet music to my ears. Um, I could not think of a worse actor to portray my favorite comic book hero of all time. Batman is a complex hero. He's the most complex DC uh, hero. Uh, here is a man who comes from unimaginable wealth, yet he sacrifices his life again and again for the city of Gotham. He, he could have chose a different path, a different response to his parents being murdered, but instead he chose sacrifice and justice. 
The wealthiest man in Gotham adorns himself in a bat suit and stands against corruption. He's willing to crawl on rooftops at night and fight crime and stand against such things. But despite all this, the people of Gotham reject him. They blame him for their setbacks. They're willing to hunt him, to chase him, so that he might pay for their own corruption. And that's why when Commissioner Gordon gave the best description of Batman, he said this. He is the hero we need, but not the hero we deserve. So we'll hunt him because he can take it. Because he's not our hero. He's a silent guardian, a watchful protector, a dark knight. You see, if we fully embrace the Jesus of the Gospels, we see that he is not the king that we want. He's not the Messiah we had in mind. And he is the prophet that we want to silence. Because Jesus, as he steps into the temple, as he overturns these tables, we get a better perspective of the volatile nature of what Jesus was doing. He was taking the world that was upside down and turning it right side up. And you can imagine that any time anybody shakes comfort and stability and power, they feel a threat. Jesus is a threat to their way of life. If we think about it, Jesus is a threat to our way of life. He's a threat to our religious systems, our economic comfort, and our desire for power. If we really encounter Jesus of Nazareth from the Gospels, we see that he is a threat to all that we hold sacred. If Jesus were to walk into our modern-day temples, what tables would he begin to overturn? You see, the Jesus of the Gospels overturned the corruption of, of religious practices of the day. He overturned it by saying, don't hate your enemies, but I tell you, love your enemies. Jesus would dash the surplus and abundance that we live on by telling us that we should live by moderates and by dependence on God. Jesus of Nazareth would utterly shatter the threat of of the merging of our politics shaping our theology instead of our theology shaping our politics. I believe down to the very core of my soul that Jesus would raise up the social and political corruption that we see in our day. As one author put it, the gospel of Jesus subverts the politics of violence because the gospel is the politics of humility and service and forgiveness and nonviolent love that embraces all people, but especially those that we call enemy. Tragically, we tend to live by the politics of Rome, not the politics of Jesus. Whether we are Republican or Democrat, American or Russian, whether we seek to influence others through coercion or violence, we are following the politics of Rome. You see, Jesus of Nazareth is a threat to our little kingdoms, our little idols. He's taking our world and he's shaking it and wanting to turn it not upside down, but right side up. It is a kingdom that calls us to depend on God for our daily bread, not the bread that we can get five years from now, to seek to forgive those who have sin and debt against us, to avoid the temptation to commit evil against our neighbors, to live a radical life of forgiveness and love and humility. And so Jesus is echoing the words of the prophet. He's speaking on behalf of God. I'm not preaching a political message. I'm preaching the message that we see in the New Old Testament all all the way through the lips of Jesus. 
And for this reason, Jesus isn't the king we want. He's the prophet that we want to silence. So what do you do when someone threatens your way of life and your comfort and your power? The answer is you kill him. The theologian Marcus Borg wrote this. It's important to realize that what killed Jesus was nothing unusual. As empires go, Rome was better than most. There was nothing exceptional or abnormal about it. This is simply the way of a domination system and how it behaves. So common is the dynamic that we call this the normalcy of civilization. Good Friday is the result of a collision between the passion of Jesus and the normalcy of civilization. The normalcy of civilization continues to use power and give it to the powerful, to keep the wealthy rich and keep the poor poor. The normalcy of civilization keeps refugees out. The normalcy of civilization lets the poor people stay sick while rich, sick people get better. The normalcy of civilization gives white men assault rifles and puts black men in jail. We live in a time of the normalcy of civilization. And Luke tells us that the religious leaders, because Jesus is shaking the foundation of their system, plot to have him killed. And we know that, we know that he'll be falsely accused and arrested we know that Peter, the great rock, the great friend of Jesus, would deny him. The Jewish system of politics that was threatened by Jesus' call of a new way of life demanded that he be killed. The blood of Jesus, if we're honest, is as much on my hands, is as much on our hands, as it was for the people who had Jesus killed in his day. Anytime we choose the way apart from Jesus to suppress Jesus, we are the people who crucify Jesus again and again. And so maybe we should judge a little less the people who cried out, Hosanna, blessed is the name of the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And in just a matter of days would say, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Have you ever watched a movie um, that was based on a true story that you knew the ending of the story, but you're still nervous during the movie? Uh, I read the, the real story behind uh, the movie Hacksaw Ridge recently, and I, I know the results and everything that happens in the movie. The movie is based on a, uh, a, a young man in World War II who wanted to be an army medic and refused to take a weapon and refused to kill anybody, even if somebody was an enemy. And the army leaders and his fellow soldiers could not understand him. And so they pushed him. They made his life a living hell. They mistreated him in every possible way because the hope was that he would absolutely quit or he would cave in and take the life of another person. And even as I'm watching this story transpire, even as I know what's happening, I'm watching the hardship of this guy and I just want to change the story altogether. He will go on to save lives of almost every single one of the men who ridiculed him, transforming their understanding of him and transforming their understanding of life. And despite the way that you know how the narrative is going to end, we tend to want to change the narrative of those stories in the middle of them. And that's the thing about the passion narrative. 
As we consider this story of Jesus, as we see the way that Jesus is arrested and tortured and crucified, as we see that we play a part in it, as we see that Jesus, if we're truly honest, is a threat to our economic, political, and social agendas, we truly want to change that narrative. We want to rewrite the story, but the reality is we can't rewrite it. We can't undo what has been done. And in our minds, we we alter the facts of Jesus that threaten our way of comfort and control. We smear the message and ministry of Jesus by placing it in a paradigm of complacent American Christianity. But we can't rewrite the narrative. But there is one who can. See, the reality is that we can lie to ourselves and live alternative facts that, 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 that do not reflect the ministry and message of Jesus. But God desperately desires to rewrite our narrative. You see, God wants to rewrite our safe and comfortable and apathetic version of Jesus into a vibrant, life-giving, prophet, rebel, and savior Jesus seen in the Gospels. God wants to rewrite our narrative where we are leading Jesus and shaping Jesus into what we want, into a narrative where all of us choose to follow the true Jesus seen in the Gospels. In Jesus, God wants to rewrite our narrative from aggressor to peacemaker, from anger to joy, from self-righteous to humble, from violent to meek, from hatred to love. And this is uncomfortable. And it's really, really hard. Yet we remember Palm Sunday. Because in the shadow of Palm Sunday is Good Friday looming over us. And Jesus still chose the path less followed. The path of shame. The path of humiliation. The path of death. Jesus chose that for us. For this world. Can we rewrite the narrative? No. But can God rewrite our narrative into a narrative of love? On Friday, I had the honor of interviewing my my all-time favorite author, Brian McLaren. And in his recent book, The Great Spiritual Migration, Brian writes these challenging words. You can't learn to love people without actually being around people. This includes people who inferiorate, exacerbate, annoy, offend, frustrate, encroach upon, resist, reject, and hurt you thus tempting you not to love them. You can't learn patience that love requires without experiencing the delay and disappointments of life. You can't learn the kindness that love requires without rendering yourself vulnerable to unkindness. You can't learn the generosity that love requires outside of the presence of heartbreak and unquenchable need. You can't learn the peaceableness that love requires without being meshed into seemingly unresolved conflict. You can't learn the humility that love requires without the moments of acute humiliation. You can't learn the determination that love requires without opposition and frustration. You can't learn the endurance that love requires without experiencing unrelenting seduction to give up. Will we choose the gospel The Jesus seen in the Gospels. That Jesus that's willing to start a spiritual revolution to bring about the salvation of the world. Or will we choose the comfortable Jesus that has no effect 
on our day-to-day living and our political and economic and social worldviews. My prayer is that we choose the Jesus that threatens our comfort, calling us into something transformatively beautiful. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.